0: They're brothers, they're plumbers. They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite it's incredible. that gives anyone who possesses it the power
1: the universe. Hello and welcome to a special interview edition of the Popcorn Muncher podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Beasley, the editor of the Popcorn Muncher, and I got the chance this week to sit down for a chat with Luke Owen. Luke is the uh, deputy editor of Flickering Myth, a website I worked for for uh, for a while, and uh, he is also the author of Lights Camera Game Over, which is a new book which is out now as you're listening to this about uh, video game movies and, uh, more specifically, how those movies get made. It's got some great in-depth interviews with the people behind the movies. Uh, I've been reading the book myself. There are chapters about the Super Mario Brothers movie, the Street Fighter movie, lots of stuff about Resident Evil, and some stuff about movies that didn't get made, such as a, a really interesting tale about how they nearly made a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So there's loads of stuff in this, whether you're a fan of video games like Luke is or not a fan of video games like I am, there's a lot in this book to enjoy Uh, and we go into quite a lot of stuff in this chat about video game movies, why some of them work, why a lot of them don't work and uh, why their production histories are so interesting. So without further ado, here is my chat with Luke Owen. Great to be joined on the uh, Popcorn Muncher podcast by uh, Luke Owen, the uh, deputy editor of uh, entertainment website Flickering Myth and the author, more importantly, of Lights Camera, Game Over, a new book about uh, video game movies and how they get made. So, Luke, great to have you on the podcast.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: That's all right. So uh, the book's, uh, book will be out by the time this comes out. Um, interested to ask you, of all of the things you could have written about, what was it that thought um, video game movies would be the thing?
0: It, it's funny because I've I've always had a real a real fascination with with video game movies. Like I grew up as a as a fan of video games like my whole life. Um, you know, one of my earliest memories is getting a Sega Mega Drive for Christmas in uh, 1991. And so I've always kind of had this, this amazing fascination between films and video games. And then why the two have never really married? Uh, you know, I, there's a the opening of my book kind of details my memories of a friend of mine going to see Super Mario Brothers and hating it and me not really understanding how that could be because it's a film based on Super Mario Brothers. Why isn't that awesome? Uh, And then that kind of extended into Street Fighter and all these other movies that I, you know, these these are based on games that I love, but the films are never that great. Although I do have a bit of a perverse love for Street Fighter. (laughs) And later in my teen years, I kind of rediscovered Super Mario Brothers when um, it came out on DVD, I was, at stu- I was at university and it came out on DVD and I was watching it and I'm like, this is mad, this film is mad how could you look at Super Mario Brothers and then come up with this? And I just found that, that idea, uh, a production history must have been really, is- really interesting and so I started doing loads of research into it and I found out that yeah, it was a pretty interesting and tumultuous production history and so then my, my mind started to take over and like, I wonder if more like, all these other video game movies had similar stories. So I started doing more research, and it turned out that a lot of them did. So I've always wanted to write a book, and I thought, hey, what better subject than this?
1: That's great. So tell me a little bit about the actual process, then. So you've got the idea. Where did you go next? What happened next?
0: Um, basically, I, I got a list of every video game movie that had been made. And I then started to I, I sign up for IMDb Pro, and then I just started reaching out to uh, as many... Assistants and directors and producers and contacts and anyone I could basically get my hands on. Uh, I contacted virtually everyone who uh, that I could that directed a video game movie, that wrote a video game movie, that produced a video game movie, that starred in a video game movie, that was the camera in a video game movie, and. I then started to compile like all the interviews that I could get my hands on and then formulated the production histories around that. So then I whittled down the films that I wanted to cover based on the best stories that I had, um, as well as looking into um, video game movies that didn't get made, which is also something I was really interested in. That spurned off from a conversation I had with a fellow author uh, called Blake Harris, who wrote a, cons- uh, wrote a book called Console Wars, which is about the war between Sega and Nintendo in the early 90s. And through our conversations, he told me that there was nearly a live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie in the uh, mid-'90s. And so I was like, wow, I'd love to read more into that. And he sent me over the script, essentially, that they had. Um, And so then I contacted the writer of that. And then that kind of, like, you know, that that grew. And I did the Pac-Man and Metro chapters off the back of that. Um, So, yeah, so basically that was kind of sort of how I started to formulate everything and just started to put together a good, like, a rough list of the best stories that I had, um and yeah and and with the with the best interviews that i got
1: um i mean if if there's one thing that that, the reading the book teaches you it's that video game movies are incredibly tough to make and anyone who's listened to the (laughs) podcast before will know that i know almost nothing about video games so i'm intrigued to get from you kind of an idea of why it is that this is such a tough nut to crack for the movie industry
0: I think in the early days of video game movies, so like in the the, the 90s era when you had Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, uh, Wing Commander, Tomb Raider, and actually that kind of spurned into Resident Evil as well. Uh, I think what Hollywood was were basically looking at was they, they just looked down upon video games. They didn't see them as an art form. They just saw them as an IP that they could exploit and make money off of. And when they get that, you get into a writer who's then like, okay, well there's not really a story to base this off of. So I just kind of had to make a story up. And then when you start to make a story up, you move it further and further away from the original source material, particularly, you know, you look at Super Mario Bros. and Street Fighter as great examples of this. And when you start to move it further and further away from the source material, you then lose the audience that you originally bought the IP for. So when you, you know, when you do a Super Mario Bros. movie, you do it because Super Mario Bros. is insanely popular. But then you make a movie that's not appealing to that because what you want to do is you want to make a movie that appeals to everyone, and by doing that, you then make a movie that appeals to no one. Um, the only person who's really successfully done it is is Paul Anderson with the Resident Evil movies. He made uh, a series of movies that are sort of connected to the video game series. There are like <laughs> enough, there's sort of enough bits and pieces in there that make you say like, oh yeah, I recognise that from the video game. But what he did was create a successful movie franchise away from the video games. Um, so it can be done. It's just that no one's ever really done it i don't think there's a real way to take the to take the 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 act of playing a video game in your house and translate that into a movie experience and i think that's where video game movies have really struggled
1: it's interesting you mentioned um you mentioned paul anderson i wanted to wanted to ask you about him because obviously he wrote uh, an introduction for the uh for the book kind of that's one of the big names that you've spoken to how did uh, you get in touch mm. with him and how did you, he get so involved that he ended up writing an intro for you
0: uh, Paul was basically my my number one on the the, the hit list of directors. That I really wanted to speak to for the book for obvious reasons. He so directed uh, four. I'm going to get this right now. Four of the Resident Evil movies, and he wrote all six of them. Um, and he you know Derek directed more combat. So I was like, I've got to get an interview with this guy. So I managed to reach out to uh, to hear. I went through, I think I went through his talent agency, and they put me in touch with his assistant. And then through his assistant, we arranged uh, some interview times. But like I, you know, I needed to get him to sit down for a long time. So we did this over a, a number of evenings, you know, and doing these interviews and stuff, talking for multiple hours on end. But I essentially had to work to his schedule. And unfortunately, due due to the timings of writing the book, I our first interview we did for Mortal Kombat was just before he went out to shoot um, On Inus. We did we did Mortal Kombat in the first two Resident Evil movies, and then he went out to shoot Resident Evil Six. So that was like a long period of time where I couldn't really get in touch with him for obvious reasons. He was at you know, he was busy making a movie. And then when he got back, he was then in post-production. So the only time we could really get together was when he wasn't in the editing studio. And I was calling him. So I, I'd have to call him at like four or, or 3 o'clock in the morning UK time. Because that was the only free time that he had available. Uh, and eventually we managed to cover every, every facet of the movies that we wanted to do. And we just kind of like really got on. And he... He could see my passion for this, and I really see his passion for the subject matter as well. And so I just asked him if he'd be interested in writing a foreword, and he was like, "Oh, absolutely, yeah, that'd be great." And so during, I think it was during like a break he had on post-production of Resident Evil, the final chapter, he he knocked together this foreword for me, and it's a really really great foreword. Um, and I was just really chuffed to get it. Like that was. When you, you kind of like, I think I said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I'm thinking of asking Paul if he wants to write the foreword, but I'm pretty sure he'll say no. But I might just ask him anyway. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and, and just see what happens. And yeah, just like, thankfully, he said yes.
1: That's great. It's, it's, it, like like you say, it's a really good foreword. It's a really, a really good introduction to the book. Um, I guess the thing that I always struggle with with these sort of movies is, uh, it's kind of, you, you sort of hinted at it earlier, so much of, what makes video games such a good art form is the interactivity of it, of being a player able to play it. And that is difficult with a movie, which is quite a, quite a passive medium. I find even, even a lot of action movies that aren't based on video games, uh, kind of have that issue with the passivity. Like the, the one I always think of is, uh, After Earth, the really terrible Will Smith, Jaden Smith vehicle from a few yes, years ago. That absolutely. really felt to me like watching someone else play a video game. And yeah. I'm intrigued whether that's something you've seen at all.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny enough, there's always the, 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 the key example I always bring up when people ask, like, you know, why can't video games and movies work well? I was like, well, just look at the third act of Doom. You know, the, the, the third act of the Doom movie is literally um, a first person perspective as an homage to the movie. So you literally have the gun in front of you and you are watching someone play a Doom game. And while on paper, that sounds brilliant. Because that's exactly what we want, right? We want to see Doom up on the big screen, but in practice, it's really boring to watch because all <laughs> you're doing is you're watching someone else play a video game and not in not getting involved. And so, yeah, so I think there, that really is just there's that, that difficult correlation between finding something that, as you're right, as a, you know, watching a movie is a passive, uh, and, you know, it's passive entertainment, whereas video game is so much more involved. Um, and I think the like the medium for video games now is kind of just all it's it's almost outgrown the film industry like video games don't need movie adaptations anymore. Um you know what does what does Gears of War or Halo or Grand Theft Auto benefit from having a movie made about it? You know a, a new Call of Duty game comes out and it outsells the biggest movie that year. So like you know so what what does it gain?
1: Yeah I think that's an interesting point also given that Along with many entertainment mediums at the moment, uh, video games are becoming more cinematic. Like you look at a lot of them are kind of far more narrative based now than they are action based. And absolutely, does that kind of negate the need for them to be made into movies at all?
0: Absolutely. I mean, like Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I forget which one it is now. I think it's Metal Gear Solid Five has like a ninety-minute cut sequence. You know, that that's a movie. Like that's that's a that's a feature length movie. So there's no need then to make a Metal Gear Solid movie because you can literally just like you can get to a cutscene in the game and watch a Metal Gear movie. There was a game that came out last year called oh, I forget this name. I think it's called Quantum Break. I may, I may be wrong. It, it's something along those lines. But the idea behind the game was that you you play the game and then throughout the choices that you made, you then watch a half hour live action. um a live-action movie that is dictated by the choices you made throughout the playing of that level, and they got some big-name actors in there, and so that in itself was its own movie adaptation. Like that doesn't need to be a live-action movie, and if there was, it would be a lesser version of the video game uh, of it because you're not making any choices. The movie is making the choices for you.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, and I think what one of the things you said in the book, which 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 really struck me and interested me, kind of early on, was. With some of these video game movies, you were so invested in the games, you had so much love for the games that you convinced yourself the movies were good. And I think that's something <laughs> yeah. I, I had as well with, because when I was younger, I was uh, really into into books and, and sort of teen literature. So when the the movie came out of a series of unfortunate events with Jim Carrey yes. and the uh, Alex Rider movie as well those were those were books i had such love for that when the films came out i didn't want to admit they were bad movies yeah. but looking back on them now they they're really troublesome and what they did kind of most egregiously is sort of take apart the things that made the books so good and change them and is that yeah. something that was the same with with video
0: games I, for me absolutely street fighter is the is the classic example uh, for that one like i watched the street fighter movie uh, week in week out because i had it on vhs and I just convinced myself that it was good. I'm <laughs> looking back at it now. Like, I, I, I look at it now with my, you know, my 30-year-old eyes very differently to how I did when I was a, was a, a young lad or, a, you know, a, a young teenager in the, the mid-90s. Uh, like, then I watched it because oh, that's Ryu, and he's wearing the costume, and that's M. Bison, and he's sort of wearing the costume as well, and I mean, that's sort of like the character in the game, but hey, it's a character that's on, from the game, and it's on the big screen, so that's basically all I need. Um, whereas now I watch it being be like, oh, I see what Steven D'Souza was doing. This is an, a, a mad comedy uh, pastiche of action movies that is based on G.I. Joe rather than Street Fighter, which was actually like, one of the most interesting things I found when I was researching the book, and um, was that that the Capcom, who made Street Fighter, went to make this movie, but rather make it based on the game. They had a deal with Hasbro and GI Joe to make a, a line of GI Joe figures based on Street Fighter characters. So they were like, "Oh, hey, you know, we need to sell these toys. Let's make a Street Fighter movie based on the GI Joe version of Street Fighter." <laughs> and so what you end, and then when you find that out, you're like, "Oh, so." That's that's why the movie's like the way it is. <laughs> and then, and then uh, speaking with Steven Caesar, he said that he only wanted to have like a small number of characters. And then Capcom kept asking him to put more of these characters in. And then when you like find that out, you're like, ah, so that's why Balrog is a cameraman and not a boxer. And that's why E. Honda is an editor and not a sumo wrestler. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, this all starts to fall into place. Now I can kind of see why this film is the way it is.
1: I mean, that, that that's an interesting thing that that, that I think is, is clear with these video game movies is that you've got so many paymasters to serve. So you've got a director and a writer that each have creative visions. You've got a studio that wants things a certain way. You've got a games company that wants things a certain way. Is that the problem that there are so many people to keep happy?
0: I think certainly in the early days, absolutely it was because video game companies and actually do you want know that would be even more now? They were so protective of their licenses, you know, uh, when they did the Tomb Raider movie uh, it quite famously, it took, you know, uh, uh, nearly 12 writers to, to to get that film done, and it went through two different directors, and that's because IDOS, the people who owned Tomb Raider, had to sign off on the script, and very early on they had a script that they really, really liked by a writer called Brent Friedman, and it was about... Uh, Lara Croft going after El Dorado, but when she found El Dorado, she discovered that it was actually a there was a transmutation device that had the ability to turn things into gold, and now these bad guys had stolen it to change it and make it into a machine that turns anything into plutonium, and they're going to use that then for their nefarious ways and. You know, the, the writer really liked it. The studio loved Paramount, absolutely loved it. And they were like, this is the script you want to move forward with. And then Ido's essentially went, no. Because <laughs> the, the the guy in charge of Eidos, uh, a man named, um, I'm going to forget his name now, Charles, uh, Charles something. He essentially read it and got to the part where she finds El Dorado and said, Lara Croft would never look for El Dorado because gold is just something you set diamonds in. Because he came from a family of um, diamond miners. So for him, gold is completely worthless, but diamonds are really good. And so that, in the end, that script got thrown out. Yeah. And then they had to start again from scratch and go in a completely different direction with a brand new writer. Um, Which, well, enough was Steven D'Souza. And then, it, yeah, and then you just kind of, you have so many masters to serve. Nowadays, it's interesting because the video game companies are more savvy to it. And... You know, Blizzard, who did the Warcraft, who made Warcraft, launched their own movie studios so they could make movie movies based on their video game props. They don't need to then serve Paramount. They can just make films, the films they want to make. Um, And Activision have done this as well. And now they're launching their sort of like Activision cinematic universe with their Call of Duty games and, and things like that.
1: Uh, while we're on Tomb Raider and talking about Tomb Raider The new new project with Alicia Vikander What do you think of that? Do you think it's going to be a good one?
0: I, I'm really looking forward to it I really like Alicia Vikander The director was a bit of a, a surprise Because they had some really like big names that they were reaching out to Some like real um, uh, female uh, They were all female directors as well But like female directors with some real pedigree behind them but in the end, they went with the, with this other fellow whose name I can I will never be able to pronounce unless I actually speak to him. I think it's like Raw Utag or something like that. Um, and but you look at the 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 stills that they released from the movie, and they've take, taken the very smart move of basing it on the the reboot video game series they've done, which is about a young Lara Croft um, struggling, you know, on her first mission. So that way, you can have like the the perils that come with going on your first mission, rather than setting it with someone who's just like already awesome, and uh, there's there's never very much jeopardy there. But now there can be more jeopardy in doing this version of the story. Uh, they're doing it with the Uncharted movie as well, a movie that's gone through so much development. At one point, it had Mark Wahlberg attached to star as as Nathan Drake, with uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci as supporting characters. Wow, <laughs> and yeah, exactly, yeah. And like, and then um, and then that sort of all fell through. David O. Russell was going to direct it. And then that all sort of fell through. And now they've gone in a different direction. They had Joe Carnahan attached to it for quite some time. Uh, but now they're doing it as a, a young Nathan Drake doing his early missions. And they've got Tom Holland, uh, you know, uh, the current Spider-Man, to play the very, very young Nathan Drake. And I think that's going to be a much more interesting way of doing a movie version of Uncharted.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I remember um, at the start of, of last year, the start of 2016, sort of looking ahead at the year and going, there are some quite interesting video game movies coming out this year. So you had, you had Warcraft from Duncan Jones, you had Justin Curzel's Assassin's Creed, you even had like the Angry Birds movie for the kids. It looked mm-hmm. like, you know, that could be the year that, that video game movies kind of turn themselves around. And all three of those projects to varying degrees were, were disappointing. I mean, what do you think went wrong?
0: Oh, I mean, it, it, it was last year. Was going to be a really big year. Bear in mind, like in 2015, there was only one movie released on a video game, and in 2014, there were none. So, like it was, a, you know, it was quite a big growth of of video. I wasn't. I was looking, you know, because there was also um, Ratchet and Clank got a, yes. uh, a very a very low budget animated movie based on it as well. so There was four video game movies coming out last year. And it was exciting for me, you know, finishing up the book and sending it off to the publishers. So I was like, well, this is it. This is the year. This is the year that the <laughs> video game boom finally takes off. Um, but it didn't quite work out the way that I wanted it to. But it's interesting, actually, that last year, well, there was a lot of Announcements of developments of video games. It's almost like Hollywoods are now looking for their next golden goose because uh, Marvel Studios have got all their Marvel properties now, and now Warner Brothers have always had their DC stuff. So they're like, "Oh, well, we can't really do video uh, comic book movies because we can't get any of the licenses." What's next? Okay, well, let's look at video games. So you know, you had a. a The Dwayne Johnson Rampage movie went into production. The Tomb Raider movie that you mentioned went into production. And uh, they just started announcing all of these movies that were going into development and getting all these scripts written as a new Mortal Kombat reboot with James Wan producing. And it was a really exciting time. But with regards to last year's movies, um, the Angry Birds movie did well. did very well at the box office. And I think they they are working on a sequel, I believe. Um, It didn't get great reviews because... Video game movies tend not to, um, but Warcraft was a really interesting one in that it's completely tanked in the US. You know, poor old Duncan Jones. Uh, I went to a Q and A Q&A screening he did of Warcraft at the Prince Charles in London, and um I mean, God bless him. He's just like he looks so beaten up by the film. <laughs> it's three and a half years worth of work. I saw you know he did an introduction when I went to the screening of it last year as well, and um you know he'd worked on it for three and a half years. It came out to Dire reviews and it just completely tanked in the US, but did exceptionally well in China, like really, really well. You know, it did something like three, four hundred million, like in China alone. Whereas it only did, I think, thirty million in the US. And I, I, to be honest, I'm not even sure that number's correct. That might be a stretch. How <laughs> much it actually made? Um, but yeah, that just got really, really bad reviews. And then the Assassin's Creed movie, that I don't really know what happened there. You look at that cast and that director and you think well how could this not work yeah i was i was excited as someone who knows nothing about video games, <laughs> exactly. i love justin
1: cozar like fastbender Cotillard, brendan gleason it was all that. That's,
0: that's what i mean it was a great <laughs> cast of, a great cast and, a, and every single person i spoke to because obviously i was interviewing people in 2015 um for the book and i was speaking to a lot of producers and a lot of directors and a lot of writers and every but i'd say 85 to 90% of the interviews that i did Assassin's Creed was brought up because all, we all kept saying to each other that's the Spider-Man, that'll be the X-Men movie that turns this ship around it'll make a load of money at the box office and then loads of these video game movies will be green lit off the back of it it'll be the one that gets great reviews because look at look at it's pedigree mm. and then it came out and you're like, ah no it didn't, and it didn't do all that well at the box office either, and it didn't get great reviews I wonder if it's, I think it's release date hurt it more than anything <laughs> Um, just because it came out like you know in December, it was after Rogue One, I, and it was too close to Christmas. I just don't think it was the right time to release it. Had that film come out in the summer, I think it probably would have done a bit better. I'm not saying it would have got like, great reviews because the film is the film, but I think it box office wise, it probably would have done a lot better, and then that would have left it probably more positive taste uh, for the video game movie world than 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 2016 eventually did.
1: The problem, the problem I had with it, as as kind of an outsider, the Assassin's Creed movie was, I didn't know what was going on at any stage, <laughs> yeah. I, especially towards the end. I just had absolutely, it was completely incomprehensible. I thought the sort of historical stuff was potentially really interesting, and you know, talking to people who've played the game, that's the bit everyone cares about. Yeah. So why did they spend so much time, sort
0: of in the the present day, quote unquote, part of it? it it's funny enough, people said that about the video game as well, because <laughs> it said like. The video game stuff, like it's always advertised itself as being like these historical adventure things, and you're like, oh wow, that's pretty intriguing. But then you play it and you realize, oh yeah, now there's all this sort of present day stuff when you're finding out all the backstory of why you're doing these things, and that stuff's pretty uninteresting. But it's great. The game stuff over I mean, here is great. Let's do more of this. And it's just weird that the video game they looked at us like, "Yeah, that presentation stuff—that's where the money is. That's, that's where all the interesting stuff is. All the exposition—that's what we need." And, it, and in all fairness to the movie and you know, and to the, the, the people behind it, the first game is conservatively, let's say, you know, it probably takes you six, seven hours to do. And in that, you've all you've got all this exposition in there to try and then cram that into a two-hour slot. where you've also got to do the action beats. It's a lot of exposition to kind of cram into one movie. And I think the same with the Warcraft had a similar issue, whereas Duncan Jones had planned it to be a trilogy of movies. So, you know, conservatively Warcraft is act one. And so it's very hard then to judge an entire story on just its first act But he had to do so much exposition in that first act, because, as you would, that's where you would do all of your exposition, is right at the start, set the world up, so then you can have an adventure in Acts 2 and 3. Just the problem is we're probably not going to get Acts 2 and (laughs) 3, and now we're just left with this one movie, which is just (laughs) (laughs) exposition-heavy.
1: It's interesting. I think that's kind of a problem in, in franchise movies as a whole, that you've got people planning for trilogies, they're planning for shared universes, and so the first movie often does end up being exposition.
0: Yeah, I, I, thought for, I, I thought The Force Awakens had that issue. And I, I've, I've said it's kind of like an, a, a critical or a criticism and a praise or, or a defense of the movie at the very least. When people said like, yeah, it's a lot of just introducing characters and it's just a retread of, of a new hope and things like that. And my argument in defense of it was always like, yeah, I know, but it's act one. Like this is just part one of a new trilogy. So we do have to set up these characters and we do have to set up the, this new these new bad guys and this sort of new version of the star wars universe that we're in we need to you know we have all the stuff that we already know about it but this this is a whole new a whole dump load of information to drop on us in in movie one but it had to be that way because it has to set up two and three or eight and nine <laughs> in star yeah. wars case but it it kind of it can work both ways and i think a lot of times you're right that filmmakers you know they they plan for trilogies but then the first movie tanks, and then you don't get those those, those sequels. So it's it's kind of counting eggs before they hatch. Um, Paul Anderson was saying this about the Resident Evil series. He said that he when he did the first one, the first one had to have like a bit of a, it has a conclusive ending because they didn't know if they were going to get a sequel. And so when they did the second one, he made sure it was a complete movie, but had enough of a tease in there that should they do a third one, he can continue the story. And he was saying, you know, it's, it's, it's an often problem that they just, they'll make a movie, the movie does really well, and then they're like, great, let's greenlight a sequel. And then no one comes to see the sequel, because no one liked the first movie. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had this last, not last year, year before? Uh, the first movie came out did really well, and then, but it was a bit naff. And then uh, the sequel they did, uh, what was it called? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, Out of the Shells or something like that. It has the...
1: Out of the Shadows, off the top of my Out head? Out of the Shadows, that's exactly <laughs> what it was.
0: Out of the Shells was the concert tour they did in the <laughs> early 90s. <laughs>
1: I've, I've really tried hard to forget those movies,
0: but... <laughs> that's what I mean, like the second... No one went to go see the second movie. Absolutely no one. No one in except so me, of- I think. <laughs> Well, that might make sense, because, like, on secret Myth, I'm uh, keeping a tally of, like, the, the, the highest-grossing comic book movies. I do, like, a top 40, and I update every time a new one comes out, and then in the weeks they'll follow. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows isn't in either the domestic or the worldwide, in, like, the top 40 mo- like comic book movies of all time. Like, it's not even in the top 40. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, that it is a bit of a common problem, and it only sort of works if you are guaranteed, like a Star Wars. You're going to get those sequels to, to to finish up your story.
1: Okay, so really broadly, uh, all of the video game movies ever made. What is your favourite and least favourite, and why?
0: Oh, an excellent, excellent question. <laughs> um, favorite, my favourite. I think uh, on some level, I think it's definitely Mortal Kombat, um, the, the the first Paul Anderson movie. It's goofy to the nines but i just really enjoy it and at any time I, I feel like just popping on a movie that, that's just just dumb fun that would be it um but you know as i said i've got i've got like a, a love for street fighter and i appreciate it more now uh in my my 30s than i did in my youth and actually the same with the super mario brothers movie only because i find it to be just a fascinating disaster um but in terms of being actually good i think i'd definitely go with mortal kombat least favorite man I mean, there's such a pool to pick from. Um, (laughs) I think I'd go with Doom, maybe? Oh, yeah, I think possibly Doom. The fifth Resident Evil movie is not very good either, but I think I'd probably go with Doom, just because... It's just, it's very plodding and very boring. And I really like Doom as a, as a franchise. And then just like, there's so much to mine from here. And then they just didn't do any of that. <laughs> so I will say Doom now, but I'm not saying that's my final answer. So if anyone uh, wants me to come up with a better answer, um, I'll uh, hit me up on Twitter and I might be able to give them a better answer <laughs> after that. <laughs> okay. So l- looking ahead to the
1: future, we've, we've spoken about kind of uh, a lot of video game movies in the pipeline. Uh, of those kind of which are you most excited for and is there a game that isn't being adapted right now that you'd like to see adapted and do you have any ideas for directors or or actors who should be involved uh,
0: another good question um I, in terms of like, the video games that are coming video game movies that are coming out tomb raider as we said is one i'm, I'm particularly interested in as with uh, rampage but maybe that's just because i love the rock and i love giant <laughs> monsters so like i mean those two together on paper it sounds like a good one <laughs> <laughs> exactly on paper it sounds like a good one but let's not forget the the third act of doom on paper <laughs> that sounded brilliant <laughs> um so I, but those two i'm, I'm very much uh, looking forward to but also like actually the model combat reboot with james wan producing i'm a big fan of james wan of james wan's work so I'd, i'm interested to see what he does with the franchise especially considering that Mortal Kombat as a video game series has had a real resurgence in the last couple of years. It was huge in the 90s, but then like like the the 2000s was a really bad period for the series. The games that came out weren't very good and it just sort of like it just felt like it really lost its way. But then Mortal Kombat 9 came out with a complete reboot uh, reboot of the series and what a game that is. And then Mortal Kombat X that came out last year is like even better. So now you look at the more comic book, you're like, wow, guys, have you seen the cinematics in these movies? Just do a lot of this. This will be great. <laughs> so I'm ho- I'm, I've got high hopes for James Wan producing that. As for a video game that's not been made, I t- actually, I'll tell you what, I mean, another reboot to to a, the series is the uh, – recently rebooted Doom, which came out last year. And it's – I mean, it's one of the best games I've ever played. It's just absolutely stunning. And that would make for a really like great movie. The the, the visuals in that are just absolutely breathtaking. So you like that? I mean, like guys, this would be this would be awesome up on the big screen if you could you know do it well and do it right. Uh, find someone who's got a very good you know action movie presence. Doesn't need to say a lot of lines, especially you know I would almost look to like a do what they did with Carl Urban in the Dread movie, where if you write a script. And then just take out forty percent of his dialogue because <laughs> <laughs> because that will make his character infinitely better. Um, so yes, I think I do. I think would be would be very very cool. But I'd also actually like to see uh, a more obscure uh, take on a game. So there's a chapter in the book um, about the, the live action Pac Man movie that never was. And the more I think about it, and the more I think about what Gil Kenan was going to do, the more I think like. Man, that that's a really interesting take on the video game mold. Um, it's sort of what Pixels tried to do, but didn't do very well. I, I have no idea what Pixels was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, when you get to it, you'll enjoy that bit in the book then because, uh, yeah, I'm not sure they really knew what they wanted to do either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so maybe something like that. You know, taking taking an old video game, I, I take an old video game, and then place it within the real world where the video game is a video game, but the video game becomes the world. Uh, I think that would be you know, a very interesting idea to, to do. And it's, it'd be something different as well, something a bit different and fresh rather than just doing you know Uncharted and just doing here's a story from Uncharted.
1: Looking at Looking at video game movies as kind of a genre at the moment, is there something big that needs to change? What's the big change in attitude that needs to happen for these movies to be successful both commercially and critically as well?
0: I think the change is sort of there already and, and that's that's video game publishers taking command and putting themselves kind of in charge of the movies. I think what they need to do is probably hire former studio executives that know the movie world as well as opposed to just being like, you know, you were vice president of marketing so you could probably do a movie as well. Um, you know. But I, I would bring in someone who has got a background in movies and the Hollywood system and... Can then like you know he can like they can broker the deals then between the, the the larger studios, but what you don't want to do within that is do what Microsoft did with the Halo movie, which was essentially think look down upon the the movie industry. The movie industry looks down upon the video game industry, and the video game movie looks down upon the, the uh, down on the movie industry. What they need to do is they need to look kind of look at each other eye eye to eye and be like, cool, let's work together to make something that's brilliant. I think that Blizzard have taken a very good incentive of opening up their own movie studio. Activision have done the same thing. Uh, Nintendo could really do this if they could create like an animated division and just make animated movies based off their franchises. They'd be, I mean, there's so much money to be made there. I think that really is the key—the the change that needs to happen is for the, the video game series to realize that they, there is a uh, there is a merit to doing a video a, a movie version of your video game. But I think that what needs to happen is for one of these movies to just really do well. It's it's it needs. Uh, I mean, I, previously I would have said Assassin's Creed, but that's that done me <laughs> in. But so now it's now you've got to look at the uh, Tomb Raider or Rampage. You've got to hope that, say, Rampage pulls in that that uh, Dwayne Johnson money. If if that can pull, it, probably not Baywatch money, but if it can pull, <laughs> <laughs> if it can pull in San Andreas money. Uh, or you know, or perhaps what Jumanji money will be when that movie comes out. We'll, we'll you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But if it can make like Fast and Furious levels of money with The Rock, and if it could do that, then there'll be a huge upswing, and then a lot of video game companies will start to really uh, start to open up their own divisions. And then I think you know there they could be a good marriage. But um, it's I, I think certain things just have to fall into place. Yeah. You
1: mentioned Jumanji there in passing and I'm intrigued to kind of ask about that because Jumanji originally is not a video game movie, but this new version of it is based around a video game. I'm intrigued to hear what you you think of that idea and, and that movie as
0: a whole. It's, it's because board games are, are so 90s. Got to work <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually, when we were doing the Flickr Myth podcast, when they first announced they were doing this Jumanji reboot, uh, my co-host, Ollie, joked at the time, he said, oh, it's going to be an app, isn't it? Like, that's what they'll do. they'll do. They'll do it as an app. And, I mean, in all words, he wasn't far off because <laughs> they have done it as a video game. But, like, oddly enough, they've done it as, like, a really old video game. It's like it's, It almost feels like they're parodying not so much parodying, but they've taken, like, the the PlayStation aesthetic but put Atari wood paneling around (laughs) it as if, like, oh, yeah, this will sort of work. They all had four controllers, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, my my feelings on Jumanji are pretty much, like, as soon as I saw the trailer, I thought, okay, cool. That was a script that uh, Sony bought up that was about uh, a group of kids who fall into a video game world. And then they said, let's put the Jumanji title on this. Because that's an IP that people recognise and more people will go and see that movie. And then they sort of altered it to then fit Jumanji. Because they keep saying, like, it's a sequel to the game. And there's going to be nods to uh, the original movie. And there's going to be nods to um, Alan's presence, Robin Williams' character's presence in, in the Jumanji world. And then you watch that trend and you're like, all right, well, why are there motorbikes? Because the whole thing was meant to be set in, like, olden-day safari, you know, jungle adventure type things. So why are there motorbikes? Why are there, like, almost drug-looking cartels hanging around? And B, more to the point, and I only realized, I remembered this because I watched the Jumanji again recently, when they finish the game, this is going to be spoilers with Jumanji if you've not seen it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we've there. all seen it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of Jumanji, when they finish the game, they go back in time. And Alan's a young boy again, so Alan wouldn't have any presence in the Jumanji world because that was all undone. So it just it, it feels to me that they they're trying too hard to make it feel like a sequel when it probably wasn't a sequel to begin with, and it does just end up being a bit messy. Although it's a rock movie, so I'm, I'm excited for it nonetheless. And I, you know, I, I like Karen Gillen and I like uh, Jack Black. Not so keen on Kevin Hart because I mean he's got one joke, I am sure. <laughs> and then lo and behold, the first joke he says in the trailer is, I am short.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: just uh, before we wrap it
1: up, one more film I'd like to ask you about. Um, last week, we saw the uh, first footage from Comic-Con for Ready Player One, which, <clears> while not adapted from a video game, is is kind of steeped in that sort of stuff, whether it's the pop culture stuff or the virtual reality element of it. How do you feel about about that
0: project? I'll tell you what, I really liked Ready Player One, the book. Um, it's it's funny, since that trailer came out, I've been seeing online a lot of people being very sniffy towards it. And to a degree, I can see why, because I've read it a couple of times, but I've listened to the audiobook a lot. Um, and it's not the world's best written book, and the characters aren't great, some of the dialogue's pretty woeful. <laughs> Um, but I really I love the story of it, and it's a really great, intriguing story. It's it's so heavy with it. it's uh, it's it's uh, I think what people are referring to as reference porn, which is just uh, every every few lines there's a reference to something, and you're like, oh, I understand that reference, and uh, it's almost like it's almost like collecting nerd points as you go along. You're like, I know what this means. Um, but you know, with Steven Spielberg directing, uh, I'm kind of excited and i the trailer was was interesting in that i recognized all the stuff that was in there with the exception of the car chase at the end because that's not from the book that's i think that's something they've now put into the movie as like the final chase because that's probably more interesting than what's in the book and at least in, not 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 in negative to the book but like more cinematically that's a more interesting literal chase for for the the eventual prize um but i was watching it being like I mean, look. There's Freddy Krueger. That's Duke Nukem. That's the Iron Giant. That's the from Akira, The DeLorean. Little... <laughs> so, in essence, he's probably captured the spirit of the book quite like quite well there. So, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that next year, if only because I love the story of of the book, um, and I'm a big Steven Spielberg. I mean, who isn't a Steven Spielberg fan? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, what did you make of the trailer?
1: Um, I was intrigued by it. Um, I think the whole kind of reference porn every pop culture character ever thing we kind of did in the Lego Batman movie like <laughs> yeah. 3 or 4 months ago so i was i think i'd have been more excited by it had i not um had i not seen Lego Batman movie but yeah. i was enjoying it and i was very much like you it was like oh there's Freddy Krueger and the Iron Giant and the DeLorean yeah i'm i'm a little bit concerned that it's going to go the way of I always talk about Deadpool in this situation, because Mm -hmm. while I enjoyed Deadpool, I wasn't as ecstatic about it as some were, and I went to see it with my girlfriend on opening night, sat down, and there were people in that cinema who were laughing excessively loudly at anything that was a reference, so anything that was about the X-Men or was a bit fourth-wall-breaking, people would laugh extra loud, and maybe that kind of soured me on the film, and I'm a bit worried that that's going to be done to kind of the nth degree with Ready Player One.
0: (laughs) I was about to say, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that happening. And that's an excellent point with Deadpool because I wasn't the biggest fan of it either because I, I felt that that was its joke. Its joke was here is something that you recognise, and I've said a swear word. Yes. Said, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your Deadpool Rising one hundred and one. Um, I suppose yeah, the other thing I was going to ask you as well is: Are there any sort of video game movies that, especially as someone who's not a video game player, that that because you're the per- you're the person that they're trying to appeal to. They're trying to, like, they've already got me. I'm going to go see these <laughs> movies regardless. So they're looking to grab you. So what do you think it was going to take to make you go and watch the these movies?
1: I just, I just need it to work without having any knowledge of the game. I need to be able hmm. to go in with no knowledge and follow exactly what's going on. So Assassin's Creed, like, it, the things that really bothered me about it were the throwing of jargon at you. And Warcraft was even worse for that. Just throwing, mm-hmm. But that's I think fantasy films are always quite bad for that anyway, so I don't think it's necessarily Warcraft's fault. But the throwing of these terms at you that you're supposed to understand, and then when you don't, you kind of spend a few seconds trying to work it out, and then it's on the next scene. Like, Assassin's Creed in particular, the central female character in the past stuff, I don't know her name. I don't recall her ever <laughs> being named on screen, and yet there's supposed to be big emotional moments with her character late in the film. Yeah. So I think I just... I need to be able to go in with no knowledge whatsoever. It's it's interesting because like I always think a good documentary film is a film where you can go in knowing nothing about what the documentary is about, and you know come out and be satisfied. So mm-hmm. I went into um, Senna, the Ascariar film, not knowing very much about Formula One and knowing nothing about Formula One back then. But that's a great film, and I think a video game movie is going to need to do that to be. For you to be able to go in with no knowledge and come out satisfied i think that's what needs to happen to to hook me in
0: absolutely yeah no i completely agree and that's an excellent uh a point about the, about documentaries so I, I love watching documentaries but particularly i like watching ones that i don't know the subject matter at all because it's then interesting to see how the the filmmakers grab you in and and immerse you into that world um, uh, Tickled was a great example of, uh, of a documentary the I mean I went into that movie knowing nothing about it other than I've been told you have to go and see it um, and that really did a great job of kind of like just building yourself and then drawing you in and keeping you engaged uh, so yeah I mean that, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point Okay so
1: I think we'll bring it to a close uh, this is your opportunity to plug everything so tell us where we can get the book how to get the book and then how we can find you on social media to tell you how much we love the book
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, absolutely, or, or hate the book. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, write yeah, your reviews on Amazon. But if they if they're bad ones, I'd prefer it if you don't. Just tell me on Twitter that you didn't like it. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find the book on Amazon, uh, all forms of Amazon. Actually, anywhere online that sells books, Barnes and Noble's, uh, Waterstones. If you're in the UK, uh, basically anywhere that that'll that'll sell books, you can probably find a copy of it. It's called Lights Camera Game Over: How Video Game Movies Get Made. Uh, you can go to my website this is uh, for more information um, you can follow me on twitter at the same which is at this is luke uh, and uh, as you say if you if you like the book let me know if you didn't then tell me what's rubbish and uh, you know tell me why you did like don't just say <laughs> your book was naff tell me why you didn't like my book and then hopefully i can you know either learn from that when i do future books or at least tell you why it was the way it was
1: We all know social media. We know that's not going to
0: (laughs) happen. I was going to say, I mean, I present YouTube videos for a living. (laughs) I I know what people want to (laughs) say.
1: Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Luke. It's been great to chat to you. Uh, I'm really enjoying the book and I'm sure I'll continue to enjoy it. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and we'll have to have you on again. Thank
0: you very much. I really enjoyed it.
1: And there it is. That was Luke Owen. I hope you enjoyed uh, my chat and I definitely hope you all go out and buy Luke's book, which again is called Light, Camera, Game Over. And it is all about uh, video game movies. Uh, And also you can check out all of our other podcasts as well. We've recently done a, a spoiler special discussion for War for the Planet of the Apes. And of course, we have the weekly podcast where we talk about all the latest films. We review films. We do film news. Uh, and we also have our, our film quiz, which often gets very heated. So you can find all of the content on the Popcorn Muncher, whether it's reviews, whether it's news, whether it's list articles, whether it's podcasts at thepopcornmuncher.com. You can also find us on Facebook where we are the Popcorn Muncher and on Twitter where we are at popcorn underscore muncher. And of course, do remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also uh, leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.
0: Some alien life force has sent real-life video games to attack us. Pac-Man's a bad guy?